It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Obviously, I'm a northerner. Sandy Fitzpatrick shared with me that Southerners know the difference between a hissy fit and a conniption. So for us Northerners, I looked them up. Hissy fit is a childish tantrum as where a conniption is a fit of hysterical excitement or anger. I'm glad that Sandy of Hissy Fit's Designs chose the cute name for her shop. Although after spending time with her, I can't imagine this sweet lady ever throwing a tantrum. I also want to thank Amber Collum of the Grace Enough podcast for connecting me with Sandy. So glad to visit with Sandy today. Thanks for being on A Quilter's Life, Sandy. Thank you. Let's start at your beginning. Where were you born and raised? I was born in Little Rock, Arkansas. I grew up there until I was about 13 years old, and then my family moved to Sheridan, Arkansas, which is about an hour south of Little Rock. We had a farm, so I grew up on a farm. I then, as I graduated from high school, moved back to the big city of Little Rock, and I married a guy in the Air Force from Boston, and we have been traveling for <laughs> the last 40 years, practically. Wow. You grew up on a farm. Do you have a special childhood memory of running around on the farm or holidays? or? Well, when you grow up on a farm, it's basically a lot of work. And as a teenager, it's not exactly what you would like to be doing when you have friends who live in town do things differently than you do. But There is a special memory that I have. My dad, during the wintertime, every once in a while, we would get snow in Arkansas. We don't get a lot. But when we would get snow, he would hook up behind the tractor this big, long rope and put a piece of plywood on the end of it. And he would drive around in the field doing donuts, basically, (laughs) and slinging us around the field on this sled, basically, And it was a lot of fun, but you don't dare open your mouth and laugh too much because if that thing hits some dried up cow patties that aren't even dry, (laughs) it's not exactly much fun at that point. (laughs) What a neat memory. So you went off to college and met your husband? No, I didn't meet him in college. I actually was working in Little Rock at the time, and he moved into the apartment right next to me. And he drove an MGB convertible, and he was a navigator at the time in the Air Force, so he wore a flight suit. So, you know, for a little girl coming off the farm, that looked pretty good. Plus, he was like a foreigner because he was from Boston. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, neat. Do you remember when you caught his eye? Well, actually... I was on my way to work one morning. He had just moved into the apartment a few days earlier, and I had locked myself out of my apartment, and I needed to get back into my apartment and 
had no way to do that. So I knocked on the door next door and he answered the door. He had just come in from flying. And I said, do you have a phone that I can use to call the landlord to get my apartment open? And he said, I just moved in. I don't even have a phone. So I found another way to contact the landlord. And he said that it was a few days later, he realized that he probably should get to know me. (laughs) He said that he had just come in from flying that night and he was asleep whenever I knocked on the door and woke him up. So it was quite the experience. We were like two different people growing up in two different countries, however, because we didn't even eat the same kind of food. Mm. That must have been interesting when you first got married to try to figure out what you both could eat then. Well, not only that, when we first got married, we got married and three days later we moved to Japan. So (laughs) we lived in Japan for two years and this was back in the late 70s. We didn't have a telephone. We lived in a little apartment off base. There was no one to go crying home to if you got into an argument. It was quite the learning experience. Wow. Are there other experiences or memories you want to share with me? While my husband was in the Air Force, we traveled a lot. We got to see a lot. We lived in Japan, as I said, for a few years. I have two daughters and a son, and both of my daughters have always said, I will never marry anybody in the military. I'm not going to do this to my kids, what you made us do, you know, move around every two or three years. Well, be careful what you say, because they both married pilots in the Air Force, just like their dad, and they have been moving around a lot. And we now get to go visit our grandchildren or see them wherever they are. Unfortunately, we're not able to do it right now since traveling is restricted, but we're anxious to get back to doing that again. Yeah. Wow. So share with me about your employment. When we were first married, I worked in legal offices, and I really enjoyed doing that. However, once we started having children, I decided to stay home with the kids. So I stayed home and raised three kids until they got to be in high school. And once they were in high school, I went back to work and I worked in quilt shops. I did craft fairs and sold smocked garments and things like that. I always tried to have some type of little business on the side so that I didn't feel like I was twiddling my thumbs. Uh However, with three children, you stay pretty busy all the time anyway. But it was something that kept me busy, and it made me feel like I was contributing to the household. So now you live in Cary, North Carolina? That's right. My husband's last assignment in the Air Force was as an ROTC instructor, a commander at NC State. And so we moved here and liked it so well when it was time for him to retire from the Air Force that we decided to stay in North Carolina. We love the climate. We love the fact that we're near the mountains or near the ocean. It's just a great place to live. It is. So besides quilting, what other crafts do you do or have you done? Oh, I have done so much. I grew up making my own clothes, so I did a lot of sewing clothing. When my children were born, 
I learned how to do English smocking, and I smocked all of their clothes. For holidays, I would even try to get them to coordinate. I would make them little sailor outfits that would coordinate. One year when they were small, it was Christmas time, and our son, who was about five at the time, would not get dressed in his smocked outfit that I had made. <laughs> and so my husband was standing nearby, and I said, you got to do something. I said, we're almost ready to go to church, and I can't get this kid to wear his clothes. So he took him upstairs. He came downstairs. Then he was dressed all in his little outfit. It was wonderful. And I said, that's great. What did you do? And he said, I told him I'd pay him a dollar if he'd wear it. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the last time I made anything for that child. But I continued to make their clothes. I made my daughter's clothes when they were in high school because they were smaller than most kids in high school. So when it came time for homecoming or prom, they needed nice dresses. I also did cross-stitch for many years, and I took up stained glass for a while, and I really enjoyed that as well. But that stained glass is something that takes quite a bit of commitment, and I haven't done that in years. So once I was finished with all those is when I started doing quilting. Neat. I always thought it would be neat to do stained glass, but I never did get into that. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Who introduced you to quilting? Well, my grandmother was a quilter, and she made quilts when we were small, utilitarian quilts. You know, the really heavy ones that when in the wintertime you put two or three quilts on the bed and you can't roll over. (laughs) And they were great quilts. They weren't the most beautiful quilts. So I never thought that I wanted to learn how to quilt. And it wasn't until, oh, several years after I was married until I decided that maybe quilting wouldn't be so bad. I actually ended up going to a quilt show. I think it was one of the Mancuso quilt shows. And I was amazed at the artistry that was involved in so many of these quilts. And I thought, huh, this is not what I was expecting. And maybe I'll give this a try. After you decided to give it a try, did you do a class or what did you do? I watched some quilting shows on TV and basically learned from shows like Alex Anderson and things like that. And I did a couple of traditional quilts and kind of enjoyed that. But then I realized that there were applique quilts out there. And I belonged to a guild in Raleigh. And at the time when I was going to the guild, there were like 400 people in that guild. So they would have challenges around the holidays every year and they asked people to design or to come up with holiday themed blocks that members of the guild could pick up for free make the blocks they would all go together in packs of 24 or 12 or whatever and their names would be drawn and then people could win all the blocks and put their quilt together so I decided to, to do that one year and I thought well since I don't enjoy traditional piecing quite as much, and I do enjoy drawing, maybe I'll draw some things and make quilt blocks. So that's what I did, and I threw some snowmen heads and some little bodies of snowmen, and those were then handed out. People turned them in, 
And people started asking me then at that point when they would see other things that I would make, they would say, hmm, do you think that you could make a pattern out of that? So that's basically how I got started into doing my own quilting and designing quilts. Huh. Neat. Tell me about your favorite quilt or quilt pattern. Well, I don't have a favorite per se. My favorite one is usually the one that I'm working on at the time because I enjoy the process so much. I like the designing process. I like the picking the fabrics out. I enjoy all of the aspects of it, putting the applique pieces together, the stitching, adding decorative stitches even. I don't even mind the layering up and the binding. And I do all of my own free motion quilting. So I enjoy the whole process. Cool. Now, with the free motion quilting, what kind of machine do you do that on? I have a Bernina. For the longest time, did all of my free motion quilting on a regular Bernina, like a, an 1130, which is probably about a 35-year-old machine at this point. And so it had a regular throat plate area arm. And so... I did a lot of quilts on that little machine, and then eventually I worked at a Bernina store for several years, and I was lucky enough to purchase an 830, which has a longer arm area that is 12 inches, and so you can get a lot more quilt underneath that area, and that's what I quilt on now. Cool. That would be nice to have that bigger throat. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Mm Mm-hmm. What color palette do you prefer? Oh, I like bright things. (laughs) If you take a look at my website, which is hissyfitsdesigns.com, you'll Mm -hmm. see that I have a lot of reds and bright blues and yellows and oranges and greens. I just love all, all the colors. And I try to make things as bright and as happy as I can. Wow. Is there a favorite tool you like working with? I have two, actually. I love my applique press sheet. As an applique pattern designer, I cannot do without this press sheet because it's a wonderful tool. It has basically like a Teflon coating on it so that it allows you to fuse all of your pieces together and then let them cool and peel off as one unit whenever you're getting ready to then iron it to your background fabric. And the other tool that I really love is it's called a quick clip, and it's actually a little tool. I think the end is probably about an inch long, and it it may be made out of brass, and it has little grooves along the end of it, and then has a wooden handle. And the way that you use this is whenever you're layering up your quilt top and your batting and your backing, Uh if you're using curved safety pins, you dig your safety pin through all three layers and then you hold that little quick clip against the pointy part of the safety pin. And as you press it down, it closes the pin for you. So you're not constantly having to close all of those safety pins with your thumb. Yeah. You know, by the time, usually if you do that, your thumb gets very sore. (laughs) I love that tool. I'm laughing because the episode I just put out this morning, I asked her during this question, she didn't really have a favorite. So I took the time and asked her about this 
tool if she ever used it, and she doesn't because she does hers on a long arm. I said I had never had anybody mention that one before, and here I just released that today, and you finally <laughs> mentioned this tool that I was asking about. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> that's, well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your worst quilting experience. Hmm. I don't know that I've had anything really horrible happen other than I think all of us may have at some point been free motion quilting and all of a sudden realized that the corner of your quilt has flipped back and maybe you've free motion quilted through the additional corner that you didn't mean to and had to go back and rip a lot of things out. My very worst experience that I'm afraid is going to happen is if I forget to show up for a class that I'm teaching. Oh, that would be a nightmare. (laughs) It would. And I've had those nightmares, actually. Do you remember? And you probably didn't have these nightmares when you were in high school. But I used to have those nightmares where you show up for algebra class on the last day of school or something for an exam of a class that you've never even gone to. (laughs) Well, I think that those are the kind of nightmares that I have when it comes to getting ready to teach a class. I'm afraid I won't get there in time or I show up and I missed half the things that the students needed to learn. So I think basically the fear is so great that I tend to over-prepare things <laughs> like classes and things like that. So I try to be so careful and I keep a good calendar and I try to to make sure that my life is a lot easier that I don't have that mistake happen. Yeah. I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that. (laughs) So why do you make quilts instead of doing a different hobby? Well, I did all those other hobbies for the longest time. Since I wasn't making clothing for myself anymore or clothing for my kids, I needed another outlet something else to sew. Whenever I started doing quilts and I realized too, I think quilting is so much easier than sewing clothing because quilts are a lot of straight lines. Mm -hmm. They don't have to fit you. One side fits all basically. And I love the sense of accomplishment whenever I finally finish a quilt. I love that answer. Now, who do you make your quilts for? Basically, I make them for myself, (laughs) but I do have eight grandchildren, and I'm way behind on the grandchildren quilts, let me tell you, but I also make quilts because I love the designing process. And what are you working on right now? Well, right now, and I have it underneath my sewing machine needle as we speak, I'm doing a little wall hanging that has succulents and cacti on it. So I'm really enjoying it. I love plants anyway, and so being able to have a little wall hanging with plants on it is my goal here. That will be cute. Describe your sewing area. Well, right now it's a mess. (laughs) (laughs) But generally, I have the room over the garage in my house, so it's a decent-sized room. I have a nice sewing table that my machine sits in. I have a nice sewing chair that can go up and down to get me a little higher if I need to. 
I have a cutting table, the kind that has the drop leaves on each side. I recently put my ironing board away and just started using one of those wool mats that you can press with because that takes up less space. The walls of my sewing room have cabinets that hold sewing supplies and shelves of bolts of fabric (laughs) because I, for the longest time, was cutting kits for a lot of my patterns, and so I keep bolts of fabric for that. I more recently have been sending those fabrics to a laser cutter who actually cuts the pieces out for me, so I don't have quite as much fabric in there, but I'm sure we could all have a little bit of a contest to see (laughs) who has the most fabric. Share a tip with me. Oh, a tip. Well, one of the tips that I like to do is if you're ever going to put a quilt in a show, they usually request that you put a sleeve on the back of your quilt. So I like to put the sleeve on the back of my quilt as much with using my sewing machine as I can. So I'll take a strip of fabric, the width of my quilt by nine inches, and then I turn that in a quarter of an inch and press and then turn it in another quarter of an inch and press. And then I sew a line of stitching to hold those ends hemmed basically. Mm -hmm. And then I take that long strip and I fold it in half lengthwise with the wrong sides together. That leaves the raw edge on one side and the folded edge on the other. And I use the raw edge and I line it up with the top of the quilt before I put my binding on and I pin it there and then I put my binding on which encases that raw edge of the sleeve and as you fold it back you're encasing the top edge of the sleeve and then on the bottom portion of the sleeve you can actually still use your sewing machine if you fold it just right and fold the quilt back you can get just the tiniest little edge of your sleeve showing and use your blind hem foot and your blind hem stitch on your sewing machine, you could stitch the edge of that sleeve onto the back of your quilt with just teeny tiny little stitches that just take the slightest bite into the back of your quilt. And then all you have to do at that point, once that line of stitching is finished, I usually just hand sew the end of the sleeve that's closest to the quilt at that point so that you don't have both of the edges of the sleeve loose just that one front edge of the sleeve is loose at that point wow that's probably clear as mud right (laughs) (laughs) it's easier with photos yeah so have you been in many quilt shows oh i have i've had quilts in several shows and I've won a few ribbons, so it's a nice little feeling when you can come home with a ribbon from a quilt show, sure. Yeah. Now, your business is Hizzy Fitz Designs. Tell me about coming up with that name. I always get asked that question. (laughs) (laughs) I am the youngest of five girls, so I threw a lot of Hizzy Fitz growing up. I'm from the South. And so people in the South know what a hissy fit is. People in the North, not so much. But there's a big difference between a hissy fit and a conniption. So 
when I was trying to come up with a quilt name for my business, I went through all of the sew it something or others or quilt it like something else, you know, and I couldn't come up with something that I felt was unique and original. So I asked some friends of mine, I said, help me out here. I said, I don't know what I can use for a name. And at the time, my email address was Hissy Fit. So they said, well, just use Hissy Fit. You use it for your email all the time anyway. And I said, oh, oh, that works for me. So whenever I got married, I married a Fitzpatrick. And so my sister at that time said, I have the perfect name for your first child. You should name her Hissy. Hissy Fitzpatrick. (laughs) And I said, that is not going to happen. But man, that name stuck in my mind. And when it came time then to come up with a name for my business, and I decided Hissy Fitz works. So it's spelled H-I-S-S-Y-F-I-T-Z designs. That's so cool. I loved how it tied in with your name. (laughs) So describe how you went from having quilting as a hobby to it becoming a business for you? Well, it started out, as I said, making those holiday blocks for the guild challenges and people requesting patterns. I also had made a quilt for one of those challenges of a giraffe. And people started then saying, wow, I really like that giraffe. Do you think that you could make a pattern out of that? And so I decided to make a pattern out of that. The original one that I had done was just a one mama giraffe. And the pattern that I ended up creating was of the mama giraffe and a baby giraffe looking up at the mama giraffe. And the giraffe mom has butterflies on her ears. So it's actually called My Favorite Earrings. (laughs) So that one actually is still a very popular pattern. And people continued to say, you know, I really like this. Could you make another pattern? And I was working at a quilt shop at the time. So I was working at a quilt shop and then designing patterns on the side. And I started vending at quilt shows and things like that. And it actually became a little too much and I had to make a decision. So I decided to try to devote more time to my own design business. And that's how I started and how I continue to work. There's nothing better than having a job that you totally love to do every day. Yeah. Now, are all your patterns applique? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Some of them have pieces areas in them but yes they are all applique they can be done either hand applique or by machine basically i teach machine applique using fusible but i like to have people use fusible that's only got the fusible just along the edge so that you cut the inside portion of the fusible out which still allows all of your applique design to be nice and soft You know, I teach classes on machine applique and on free motion quilting, and those are the type of things that I like to teach. Nice. Now, with 2020 the way it's been, have you been able to do your classes online? I have. I have in the past traveled to different AQS shows and Mancuso shows, and I've taught at those and rode to California. But this has been a difficult year, as it has for everyone 
and I had to learn how to pivot. So I now teach classes on Zoom. I teach live classes, which allows me to interact with my students right there. We see each other face to face. I have little video demos that I have of my stitching so that they can see it close up. And it actually is working out really well because when you're in a classroom situation and you've got a class with 25 people in it and I'm standing at the front of the room trying to describe something or show something, it's kind of hard for the people in the back of the room to see. But with Zoom, people can see this right there on their computer and things are really close up. And so everybody gets a front row seat, basically. That's so neat. It is. It's actually turning out to be a lot of fun. Cool. I like how you say on your webpage, a lighthearted look at applique quilts. That's right. I try to make my designs as happy and whimsical as possible. Usually if I'm vending at a show, people come in and they go, oh, it's so happy in here. (laughs) (laughs) And you can tell that on your website. That's so neat. Oh, thank you. So describe how you felt when you first saw a pattern that you designed but made by somebody else. Oh, it was like a rush. I mean, when you see somebody create something that came out of your own head and that they were successful doing it, it really felt great. And it still does, even even today, whenever people send me photos of quilts that they've made, it just makes me really excited. That's so fun. And tell us where, again, your website and where else we can find your business. Sure. My website is www.hissyfitsdesigns.com. I have all of my patterns there. I have regular hard copy patterns as well as PDF patterns. I also offer a chance to sign up for classes there as well. Are you on any other social media? Oh, I'm on Facebook, sure. Facebook.com, Hissy Fits Designs. Instagram as well, just Hissy Fits Designs. Okay, great. There's a lot out there that you have to try to keep up with. I know. Well, thank you so much for sharing with me. I so appreciate it. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Great. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of A Quilter's Life. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a review as it helps others to find the show? Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website or a Quilters Life Facebook group to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.